Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host, as always, Phil Lanides, and this week joining me is my co-host, Josh Molina. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Always a pleasure to be here with you, Phil. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we enjoyed doing one of these kind of interview debate episodes recently, so we decided to to do another one. We did have someone lined up, and unfortunately, just didn't work out. And so, uh, Josh and I are going to kind of kind of take the reins and, and discuss crossover stars, essentially uh, athletes that got into MMA and also talk about some MMA athletes that got into other sports. This is by no means, a, a, you know, exhaustive or anything like that, but coming off of the discussion of around the strike force debuts of Herschel Walker and Bobby Lashley. Uh, again, we're going to talk about stars that have done well in MMA and, and not so well. And, you know, again, uh, some others and, and some big kind of important crossover fights and that sort of thing. So, uh, Josh, if you're ready, let's let's jump in. You ready to go? Totally ready, Phil. Anytime I can talk about CM Punk, I am ready. All right. OK, well, let's uh, let, let's go ahead and dive in. So really the first really important crossover fight that that on a global scale really made a big impact was Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. I actually had a very well-respected MMA journalist, uh, Josh, and now I can't, (laughs) I can't think of his last name, but he wrote for sure dog for a long, long time. Very intelligent guy. He wrote a book on Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. And I had, I had a history podcast a few years ago and I had him on to discuss that. And there was a, I thought I knew about it, but there was a lot I didn't. Uh, but this was a, this was a huge deal. It took place in Japan, 1976. And at the time, Ali was the undisputed world heavyweight boxing champion. And Inoki was a big wrestling star in Japan. So this was a big deal. You know, pro wrestling was still seen as legitimate um, and, and, you know, non-scripted. So this was, you know, all the top pro wrestling star versus the top boxer and, you know, just a, a huge deal. And, and the event drew, a massive, massive audience in in person TV pay per view. They showed it, which it, they didn't have pay per view at the time, but it was called closed circuit television. So the idea was, you would go to your local arena, uh, or yeah, yeah, your local arena, and they would sell tickets to show the event on you know a big a big screen essentially. And uh, you know just just with everything, they had an estimated 1.4 billion people watching this fight which was just i mean you could never get that many people to wasn't that wasn't that the it. attendance at wrestlemania 3 <laughs> yeah it depends on uh depends on who you ask but yeah so it, it was something like that but uh but, but yeah uh but this was a a huge a huge fight unfortunately the fight itself was was a really a big uh, a big letdown i mean there it, it was garbage in a lot of ways and um that just for those that don't know josh why don't you kind of fill us in on on what happened in the fight itself yeah well as you said the fight was was huge it was like a, a global event this was the great muhammad ali versus antonio Inoki, and you know us here in the u.s we tend to you know i guess wherever you're at you see the world through you know, the stars that you've grown up with. But in Japan, Antonio Inoki was like this amazing icon. So it was truly icon versus icon. Uh, the problem was that Inoki spent most of the fight on his back, you know, like sort of like in a in a jujitsu sort of stance trying to get Ali to come to the ground with him. And, and Ali was not expecting this, or maybe he was, but he... He was smart enough to, to respect the fact that if he got on the ground with Inoki, uh, he'd be in a world of hurt. And, of course, that would destroy his 
his gimmick, his reputation, his right. image in the in in the U.S. as the greatest boxer of all time. So you know, he basically danced around. He was frustrated. He got. Uh, you know, he he lived a little bit of showmanship, and and Anoki uh, just kind of pounded Ali's calves for for you know the whole fight when Ali was close enough from his back. Anoki did stand up a little bit and did try to um, you know engage, but Ali did not take advantage of that. It wasn't a lot; it was usually a few seconds at the end of the round. But Ali never let his hands loose. I think Ali was just scared to death of. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? It was just, it was a posture he was unfamiliar with. So neither guy wanted to do the job, so to speak. Neither guy wanted, and it was not a work match, but neither guy wanted to fight the other guy's fight because they knew if they did, they would lose and probably lose really quickly. It reminded me a lot of the Fabricio Verdum and Alistair Overeem, Overeem fight, the first one, where, um, you know, Verdum basically tried to get... Uh, Alistair to come to the ground, and I think you were out there. That that was it was a San Jose fight, I think. And then and then um, um, Verdum just sort of not Verdum, but Overeem just just would not do it, you know. And he was just really smart. It was just like a longer version of that. So um, it, it was interesting. Ali's legs were brutalized, though. I mean, it was not a good night. What, what do you recall? Yeah, is basically that's really the biggest takeaway for me. Besides the huge numbers and everything, was that. Uh, Ali dealt with some really injured legs, and this is probably um, a little bit of showmanship, but uh, essentially they're saying that they thought about having like one of his legs amputated or something like that. But there are some that say that uh, it, it affected his boxing career for sure and shortened it, and I could definitely see that. I mean, his legs were pretty beat up from, from all accounts, but uh, still a very, very important fight, even if it didn't do all that great. Uh, I did quick note. Um, one fight that I do remember was Andre the Giant versus Chuck Wepner, who was Wepner was the uh, the basis for the Rocky character, uh, supposedly. And yeah, they so when they showed this event at Shea Stadium, they had live matches on that. Uh, you know, at at that uh, at that uh, event, um, they actually had live matches going on. And the main event there, or I guess the co-main event to Ali versus Anoki was. Andre the Giant versus Chuck Webner, and I have it clearly in my head. My dad had a like a sports video videotape thing that I watched growing up, and just crazy thing that hap- crazy things that happen in sports, and that was on there. And apparently, Andre just got so fed up with with everything that you know Webner kind of dancing and trying to move away from. Him. They grabbed him and basically lift him up and dumped him over the top rope to the floor. So it's that was definitely more entertaining than the the Ali and Noki fight. And I last thing, and then we'll move on, but. The book is Ollie versus Anoki, the forgotten fight uh, that inspired mixed martial arts. And it was by Josh Gross, who, again, was a long time and still is a, a, an active journalist, but but very well respected with MMA. So I with an MMA. So I just wanted to make sure I threw that in there. Did you just just because you bought up Andre um, and we won't spend too long on this, but did you ever hear the story where Andre the Giant got into this shoot fight with uh, Akira uh, Maeda? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, did you watch that? Yeah. No, I, I never yeah. saw that. Um, I did see. I seem to remember some sort of J- Japanese match with him that that turned into something of a shoot. But uh, yeah, I do not. Oh no, no, no! I'm thinking of there was. You remember John Tenta earthquake? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. And then there yeah, was yeah. a guy named Koji Katao who actually wrestled at WrestleMania Seven. They did demolition versus two Japanese guys, and one of them was Katao. Um, the other guy died of cancer a few years ago, and I cannot remember his name. I, I, I can picture him, but I can't remember his name. 
but Katao essentially did not want to do the job to Tenta in Japan. And it turned it like they were like poking each other in the eyes and, and then Katao wouldn't engage. And, and Tenta was just getting more and more angry and aggressive. And it's, it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I saw something with Andre, but I cannot remember. Well, that was just, it was just a pro wrestling match, but it involved somebody who was also legit into uh, martial arts and, you know, like uh, when Bruiser Brody didn't want to do business with Lex Luger. Yeah. He, he, he... <laughs> Watching Luger climb out of the cage to get away from that is awesome. But yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't care what you look like. You are a coward right now. You are like, I'm getting out of here. Anyway, that was just an example of like what was supposed to be a work match that turned into, you know, like a little bit of a shoot and Andre not looking very good. <laughs> it still happens today. It still happens today sometimes. So. But anyways, all right, moving on. So James Tony versus Randy Couture. So this was a big deal. This was Tony was a multi-time world champion boxer, even though he was 42 at the time, and he ran into Dana White at a UFC event, said he wanted to fight. Couture accepted the challenge. Uh, it was this was a quick one. Uh, the fight didn't really make much of a difference at the box office as well. Attendance and pay-per-view buys were right around what the UFC was doing at the time. But essentially, Couture, being an intelligent fighter, kind of pulled in Anoki. And uh, in that he didn't try to engage much with Tony on the feet, knowing that that's where James was going to have his best shot. And so Couture took him down and basically submitted him around three minutes into the first round. And that was all she wrote, which is what I remember. I was still working in MMA at that time and thinking, well, this is pretty much how that's going to go. And that's exactly (laughs) what happened. But uh, yeah, any, any thoughts, Josh? Yeah, well, you know, it's not a surprise that the pay-per-view buys did not spike. Tony, at this time, was not really a big draw. He wasn't much of a talker. Even he was good because he had this incredibly long jab, and, you know, he was, you know, he had a good record for a long time, and he was a former champion. But uh, the fight should never have happened. I mean, Tony struggled with conditioning issues his whole career in boxing. There was no way. I mean, it was it would have been impossible for James Tony to beat be any any sort of decent MMA fighter and uh Randy Couture took him out quick <laughs> yeah yeah so it was uh and and Couture but this is 2010 Couture was 47 at the time and still still a monster on the mat so all right then of course we have to mention Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in boxing uh, it took place in 2017 uh, Mayweather earned a reported 280 million dollars $280 million. McGregor reported $130 million, uh, earned $4.4 million pay-per-view buys, which was the second highest of all time at that time, and earned $55 million at the live gate. I mean, just amazing. The fight itself was was not all that, you know, all that entertaining. Mayweather was, of course, a much better boxer than McGregor, but, you know, McGregor held his own, but I, I I tend to think that Mayweather was kind of carrying him and, and trying to make the, the fight last a little bit before TKOing him uh, in the 10th round. But, I mean, regardless of that, the, the point of it was to, you know, to make a lot of money, and it, it absolutely did. So not, not, not a ton we can say on that, but, Josh, any, any thoughts you wanted to mention? I mean, the only thing I would say is that um, Connor showed a lot of heart. He got tired like he does in MMA. Uh, but, he you know, the thing is we're in such a sad state right now of MMA and boxing in terms of the gimmick celebrity fights that I fear people just sort of think, oh, let's just make a crazy fight where we cross people over. Maybe not even in sports, but just from entertainment. And it becomes like a joke thing. But the the thing that deserves credit here is that Conor McGregor somehow 
through his mouth was able to talk Floyd Mayweather into this massive, massive fight and make lots of money. And if you recall, the first time Connor mentioned it, it was kind of a joke. It was sort of like, come on, you're never, that's never going to happen. He's a top star. You're a top star. That's never going to happen. So give Connor credit for being sort of just a revolutionary force in sort of making a fight happen. And uh, I guess UFC had to give it permission, but, but Connor really did it himself with his mouth. And that was just a, just amazing. And I think people should remember that, that that was a big deal. That's not Jake Paul versus some MMA fighter. This was historic. It was, it was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I hats off to, to Connor for talking his way into that and making, you know, well over a hundred million dollars for it. And uh, definitely a big deal. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, we're, so we're going to essentially break down and I put this in order um, as far as what I think is, you know, who I think is most important, but essentially this is the top 10 athletes that came from other sports into MMA. And this is not necessarily talking simply about success or titles, but from an impact, it, it kind of puts all of that together, but from, you know, impact to, to wins, to titles, you know, that sort of thing, where do the, these, these athletes rank? And so we're going to, we're going to tick down these, but for me, number one, Brock Lesnar, I mean, I came from amateur wrestling where he was a, you know, a NCAA, uh, wrestling champion, all American, all this stuff. Then he goes into pro wrestling, has tremendous success there. Doesn't like the travel decides to try pro wrestling even, or I'm sorry, tries, tries pro football. And even though he, I don't think he'd ever played like organized football. If I remember correctly, as far as I don't think he even played in high school or anything like that. And he actually made it all the way to the Vikings uh, practice squad. If I remember correctly, which is just amazing. So just tells you what kind of athlete he is, but he decides to go into MMA. He takes a fight. Uh, I believe it was, actually took place in L.A., but it was against, a, uh, I think, a Korean fighter, and uh, he just dominates and, and wins there. Then he goes into the UFC. He wins a fight and gets a, a title shot, becomes a UFC heavyweight champion, and then essentially he's gone back and forth ever since. He had a, you know, a good run with the UFC, decides to go back to wrestling in 2012, uh, went back for one more fight in MMA in 2016, I believe. And then just as recently as what was it? 2018, 2019, he shoved Daniel Cormier in the cage, uh, seeming to set up a, a match that never happened there. But uh, just one of the biggest draws, if not the biggest draw. I mean, I, I guess you'd have to say Con Conor McGregor is the biggest draw in combat sports history, just based on all the money he's made and brought in. But definitely one of the biggest draws in combat sports history for me. I, I gotta, I gotta go with Brock and say he's the, the top crossover athlete. Yeah, I mean, he, Connor made more money later, but Brock at the time was the biggest money maker in MMA, and that's why Dana White signed him. Um, you know, he's good. He's strong. You know, he did get the royal treatment in the UFC, but he he wasn't a chump. I mean, he beat guys, and 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 he clearly belonged there as a great college college wrestler, and just. You know, his genetics are crazy. He's, there's no one who looks like him, like, yeah. ever, anywhere on the planet. So, uh, he definitely belonged there. And, and uh, yeah, he's definitely, you know, awesome. Yeah, I want to – and you, you got to throw in the diverticulitis that he fought with. And, you know, imagine if he hadn't gone through that uh, and if he had known about it and dealt with it before it, you know, really got to him. I mean, imagine what he would have been able to do. Never a great striker, of course. And so guys like Cain Velasquez that could really punch, I think we're always going to, you know, going to have a leg up on him, but still amazing for the run that, that he had and, and everything that um, everything that he was able to accomplish. 
Number two, for me, Ken Shamrock, uh, he actually got his start in pro wrestling. I think people think that he was, you know, in shoot fighting from the beginning, but he actually made his debut all the way back in 1988 in pro wrestling. He was trained by Buzz Sawyer, Nelson Royal, and Gene Anderson, who was Ole Anderson's uh, tag team partner and, you know, a member of the, the quote-unquote Anderson family. So he had, you know, legit trainers and, and actually had pretty good success. Uh, then he moves over to Japan. And that's where there's the lines are blurred between pro wrestling and MMA. And they would have these kind of shoot style pro wrestling promotions like UWFI and uh, promotions like that. And he makes his official MMA debut in 1992, switches over full time to MMA in 1993, fights at the first uh, UFC event, had all kinds of success in the UFC. Then he goes to the WWF where he has a, a nice, uh, I think, three year run, three, four year run in the WWF. Uh, and then he has more success there and then signs with pride o- over in Japan and has some big fights there before coming back to the UFC and really jump starting the business. I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that Shamrock versus Ortiz at uh, back in 2002 was really that was the biggest fight MMA had at that time. And, you know, they, they did, all, you know, in a lot of ways, I think they're credited with saving the promotion because of, of how well it drew and and all that. So just a very important figure. Uh, in, in MMA and pro wrestling is alternated between the two, uh, the two industries ever since. And he's actually, he's done fighting, hasn't fought in a while. And he's focused on promoting his bare knuckle uh, boxing promotion, but he is still with impact wrestling and is still active with them. So, uh, you know, definitely a very important figure that has really had a lot of success within both industries. And for a guy to kind of straddle the line between the two, again, I, I know what, no one's done it longer and with more success than him. So uh, definitely an important figure for sure that that has achieved a lot. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy who probably fought a little too long. So he, yes, he tarnished his legacy a little bit there. But uh, obviously, I was one of those people who was like, he's an MMA guy coming into pro wrestling. That's how they build him. Good Morning America called him the world's most the world's dangerous, dangerous man. man. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, you know, he was always fun in the WWF. Uh, you know, he looked amazing. Uh, well-conditioned, and he always uh, brought a sense of realism to pro wrestling. And obviously his credentials are um, impeccable in, in MMA, notwithstanding, you know, fighting a little bit too long. So, you know, he's definitely definitely uh, up there. And, of course, nobody takes a shot, a chair shot to the head like Ken yeah, Shamrock. Like Ken Shamrock, guy, <laughs> would not put his hands up to save his life, and that was probably a bad idea in retrospect. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number three, Holly Holm, uh, boxing. She has, has to be considered one of the greatest female combat sports competitors of all time. 33-2-3 in pro boxing, multi-time world champion, 14-1-7, and seven, which is kind of a weird seven draws. That's a, a lot. Uh, in kickboxing, multi-time champion there, and then 14-5 and five currently in MMA. Uh, and she was a former UFC women's bantamweight champion, of course, beat the unbeatable uh, Ronda Rousey, handing her her first loss in, in competition. So, Pretty, uh, pretty amazing, and I, I don't think that we can really take anything away from her. She's great. She knocked out Ronda, which at the time was like, holy crap. Everyone kind of knew Ronda had weaknesses in the stand-up, and it was going to happen eventually, but but Holly Holm just did it a lot sooner than I think a lot of people thought, and, and she's going to go down as the one who dethroned Ronda Rousey. No one's really going to remember Amanda Nunez as much. Um, so, you know, she's great. I, I, I think sort of if she were a man, Phil, I sort of feel like she'd be – the goat, like she'd be just like, I mean, you think about kickboxing, you think about, um, well, I should say, you know, you think about kickboxing, you think about, um, 
boxing and how much success she had. Um, she never did pro wrestling. So, you know, she's so tall. I don't know how good she would have been. I mean, that's just, there's something about people's height and, you know, women's women's pro wrestling. And that's a thing you really got to practice on unless you're Ronda, we will get to. But I don't know. She's definitely up there. I mean, what she's done as a competitor, like, I don't know that a man has done that. Yeah. I, I you know, I, yeah, it's 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 tough to say because boxing and kickboxing, the the female versions of those sports are not, you know, the level of competition mm-hmm. is not as elite as the male versions. Yeah. Um. So that you know, it's it's tough to put as much credibility in there, but yeah, you know, you, you definitely gotta you definitely gotta put her in, um, put her up there as one of the the true greats. Um. But moving on, Bobby Lashley, number four, uh, a lot of success, not not at the level of a Brock Lesnar, but a lot of success as an amateur wrestler and then same thing with pro wrestling good good success as a, a pro wrestler but not um you know not as a uh not at the level of a guy like brock lesnar but he did go 15 and 2 in mma including one and one in strike force and he was 5 and 0 in bellator the real big knock against lashley was just no real elite opponents if you go down his his record i mean uh, he just he never really fought a really really big name guy and um and i think that's what really really hurts him and drops him down here obviously he's gone on to have tremendous success in pro wrestling and he's you know pretty much the guy in in w whether you like it or not outside of roman reigns i mean he's pretty much the guy in in uh in wwe so you know definitely a lot of crossover success um but but this is to me after number three you start to see um i think the 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 say the bottom drops out but the level of um just how good these guys were and how much success they had in multiple disciplines. It, it really starts to drop off after Holly Holm. And I think Bobby is a good example of that. I've never been a Bobby Lashley fan really in, in MMA or pro wrestling. He, he, you know, he's like Brock. He, no one else looks like him. You know, he looks, he looks great, but he, you know, in MMA, he carried too much weight, um, not a lot of stamina. And I just feel like he played it safe and, it's hard for me to put him anywhere near any top of a list when he fought guys who I think he felt like I can beat this guy, you know? So, so yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, he definitely has good credentials, but you know, he, Bobby Lashley, essentially not a draw. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's hard you know. to, hard to argue against that. All right. And then number five, Marius Pujinowski. Uh, this is, this is interesting. He was a, a former strongman. He actually won, five world strongest man titles, which is the most in history. And I mean, considered to be the greatest strongman in the history of the sport. I mean, nobody can very hard to argue that, but uh, 14 and seven in MMA, he's still, still active actually. And he's got wins over Hollis, Gracie, Bob Sapp and Butterbean. So not, you know, great <laughs> competition, especially you, when you've beaten Phil. Can you just say Butterbean three times? I just, <laughs> Butterbean, Butterbean, Butterbean. It's <laughs> <Just> funny. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but definitely uh, definitely has made an impact, and he's a big draw over in his his native Poland. So uh, so so I think he for all the success he had in in you know these strongman competitions, and then continue to have not the same level, but good success in MMA as well. I think he's worthy of being on the list. Uh, and then moving on to number six, Herschel Walker, two and zero in MMA, both fights in strike force. You know we've we've talked about uh, him, you know, making his MMA debut at forty seven years old, and we've gone through the incredible, incredible success that he had in in college football, and then good success in in the NFL as well. College football Hall of Famer, also made the the Olympic team, the U.S. Olympic team in nineteen ninety two as a bobsledder. So one of the greatest all around American athletes of all time. 
Um, but, uh, you know, success was limited. He fought twice in MMA, won both fights, and neither fight was against a super, you know, incredible barn burner type, uh, you know, type, type fighter. But, uh, yeah, Josh, any thoughts there? Well, I mean, everything you said is true. I wish he would have fought better opponents. Uh, we knew he was older. I think he was 47 when he started. Uh, clock is ticking. If you're going to do it, do it. And I'm surprised he didn't because he's such a competitor and everything else. I mean, I think he would have fought anybody they put in front of him. Um, but it's hard to judge him. Great athlete. That's that's it. You know, yeah. I can't say more than that. You know? Who knows? Who knows how it would have gone? You know, if he'd actually. But you know, he's forty-seven. Even if he'd started twenty years earlier, I mean, he still would have been twenty-seven. And and a lot of fighters, of course, back then they weren't starting that early. But yeah, it, it's just one of those things of what could have been if he, you know, wrong era. And um, but who knows if he would have had the success in MMA that he had in football. So. Is what it is. All right, number seven, CM Punk coming over from pro wrestling. Obviously a massive star in WWE, but went 0-2 in the UFC. I, you know, CM Punk being a big star in wrestling, he kind of, uh, I, I, I just, I wasn't really a fan when he was of pro wrestling, when he was active um, when in, in WWE. I caught the tail end of it, like the last maybe year of it, and I really liked his persona, and I liked you know, like him taking on a guy like The Rock and, you know, just, just being this kind of indie darling and then still doing well in WWE. I like that. I was never a massive fan of his style. I felt like he came across as too rehearsed. And, and so I, I just, I never really got into him a ton and just, you know, he retired before I really had a chance to really dive in too much, but obviously was a massive, massive star in WWE. He decides that he wants to get, he's done with the business and he wants to get into MMA. And I, I give him tons of respect for, you know, putting it all in the line and, and fighting twice in, in, in the UFC. But I, I know you're a much bigger fan than I, Josh, so I'll, I'll let you talk about Josh more than I do or talk about Punk more than I do. Phil, I'm not sure we can be friends anymore if you're <laughs> going to speak this way about Phil Brooks. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I think he's probably the last guy where I actually, like, said, I've got to watch the show. Like, like, like I, I had to make sure I made time to see what he was going to do, what he was going to say. Um, and everybody since then is sort of like, I'll watch it later. I'll, I'll read about it. I'll watch the YouTube clip. Um, just because he had that sort of, um, you know, those mic skills. And, and then he was good in the ring. You know, he, he was not uh, Shawn Michaels by any means. Um, you know, I, I'm probably going to sound overly defensive. And there's a million idiots on the Internet who can talk crap about CM Punk. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I think he, you know, he trained hard. Uh, you know, he made weight. Uh, he was much bigger than the welterweight uh, level fighter, uh, you know, weight that he fought at as a, as a pro wrestler. So he, that's hard. I mean, it's hard for MMA fighters to make weight. It's hard for pro wrestlers who walk around, you know, about 200 pounds to make weight, you know, and so, you know, to make 170. So I think that, that, Give him credit for, for having the mental discipline to do all of that. Um, and he went in there against Mickey Gall. You know, Mickey Gall's did not end up having a great career, at least not yet. But he, uh, Mickey Gall was young. He was tall. He was a hot shot. He was not some pushover. Like, like the, w, the UFC was trying to make a star out of Mickey Gall. Um, so, you know, that was a tough fight. And, and so I think that you got to give him credit for for doing that. And, um, he obviously should not have started in the UFC. Uh, he should, if he really loved MMA, he should have started somewhere else. Or if he was going to be in the UFC, 
he should have headlined the undercard or something like that. Uh, but then they feel like they'd be wasting money. But I don't know. I mean, I, it, we can't call him a good MMA fighter. I'm not that delusional. Um, we, we we can't call him somebody who's who could be anybody on the UFC roster. Um, but we can say that he made the walk. He tried it. He did it. He put himself in a position to be successful. And uh, it just didn't work out for him. But, um, you know, I think he definitely, he, he did not disrespect the sport. I don't think he was a joke. I think he showed up and he tried and it just didn't happen for him. Um, you know, he could have gone the Herschel Walker route and maybe the second fight uh, was a little bit weak on his part. But um, I don't know if he's picking his opponents, but I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of respect for him and I think that, uh, he should he should not go down as a great MMA fighter or even a good one, but he should go down as a gutsy guy who tried to make the transition at 37 years old. Yeah, lots of respect to him for sure. All right, number eight, Alberto Del Rio started in pro, pro wrestling and MMA in the same year, actually. Uh, and I knew that he'd fought in MMA. I mean, I was aware of his uh, his most recent fight with Tito Ortiz, but I didn't realize he'd fought 15 times in MMA. He went nine and six. He had losses to Crow Cop. And Tito Ortiz, you know, obviously lots of success in WWE, former WWE champion. Uh, Josh, you probably never saw it unless you saw it on a highlight reel, but the loss to Crow Cop, he actually wore his, uh, his, <laughs> his, his, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen the clip, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah he wore his Lucha Libre mask. They fought, uh, they fought in pride, and he wore his Lucha, Li Lucha Libre mask during the, during the fight itself, which, you know, they would have never have allowed here in the States. But uh, Crow Cop ends up hitting him with that left high kick, the patented left high kick, and uh, cuts him open. And there's, you know, that knocked him out. And then he gave him a left hand to the face for good measure. And <laughs> he, he got his butt handed to him. But, uh, you know, and then he, you know, he gets choked out by Tito. And I think that was 2019. And, um, you know, seems to be not a great guy outside of the, the cage or the ring. And, you know, we're not going to delve into all that. But, uh, Got to hand it to him for fighting as often as he did in MMA and then having the success in, in, in pro wrestling as well. So, uh, you know, again, kind of a from a competitor standpoint, hats off, hats off to him. Uh, and I think he belongs on this list, but I, you know, don't put him in the in the top five. Yeah, I know he's a legit tough guy. Uh, he did MMA. I think legit tough guys have problems in pro wrestling with booking and the script. And if they disagree with who's getting pushed and if they're not, they're going to have problems because they're so competitive. Uh, but you know, he's definitely a good athlete. Um, I don't have a lot of respect for him based off of the things we read about in the news <clears throat> that he's involved with. Um, I didn't like the fact that he tried to fight Tito Ortiz. I thought that was just a money-making thing and there was no way he was going to win as old as Tito was. Um, still Alberta was not at his level. So <clears throat> I don't know. I did like him as a pro wrestler for a couple of years there. I thought he had a good gimmick. I thought he got over. It was very entertaining. <clears throat> um, tough guy. That's about all I'll say. All right. Sounds good. Moving on to number nine, another tough guy, Jake Hager, uh, moving over from amateur and pro wrestling, although he is still active, obviously, in MMA. He has a, a dual deal with Bellator and AEW. Uh, he's 3-0-1 with one no contest. Uh, in MMA, former world champion in WWE, former NCAA Division One All-American in amateur wrestling. He, he, you know, he's a guy that kind of being in both wrestling and MMA at the same time, I think kind of holds him back because we don't get to see him wrestle in AEW all that often. Um, if he's training for a fight, he obviously can't be wrestling because if he gets injured, then the fight's off. So you can kind of obviously tell when he's getting ready for something. 
the competition he's faced in MMA has been, you know, pretty much on his level as far as, you know, his experience and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, he's been a little controversial. One of the no contests ended because of uh, shots to the groin. And he, he's he, he's looked good against, you know, okay competition. They're obviously kind of building him up and going the Bobby Lashley route with him in Bellator where they're giving him fights against, you know, really no namers, but people that are going to give him a run for his money at least. But, uh, you know, hasn't been fantastic. And I think he's been good in his role in AEW, but again, he doesn't wrestle all that often. So I think he's good in both, but he's not great. Yeah. I liked him in Bellator. I thought his MMA matches were, were good. And I was like pleasantly surprised that he still had that wrestling skill. I mean, he's tough. He's solid. Um, I don't know. He could have been a great, great MMA fighter. Had he gone into MMA right out of college instead of doing the WWE thing? We don't know. I mean, he's so big and he's got those long arms and he's legit on the ground. Uh, he seems like a tough guy. I've never seen him like rocked and rattled to see how he responds to that. Uh, but, you know, he, he's good. And in the ring, he was good, too. You know, I loved his We the People gimmick. I, I thought that I wish they would do that now. I wish they'd have like kind of a pseudo conservative character and just get people pissed off or or not you know half of the crowd loves him half the crowd hates him but um you know i i think he's good i liked him um, and props to him for leaving the wwe and pursuing his dreams uh and turning away probably better money um just because he wanted to try mma you know good for him yeah yeah he's doing what he loves to do so can't hate a guy that's doing that all right, and then finally rounding up our, our top ten, Shinsuke Nakamura. He started pro wrestling and MMA in the same year as with as the same as with Alberto Del Rio. Uh, he actually, again, I knew that he'd fought in MMA, but I didn't realize how many times he fought. He was three one and one with one no contest in MMA. He lost to Daniel Gracie, which is you know that's a, a big uh, a big fighter at that time. But he did beat Strikeforce vet Jan Norte, who, as you might remember, headlined <laughs> one Strikeforce card against your favorite. Bob Sapp <laughs> in one of the worst, if not the worst main events in strike force history. So, uh, but yeah, he was, you know, Nakamura was a legit MMA fighter and then was also doing pro wrestling at the same time, kind of building himself up as a, you know, a, a legitimate threat. And, uh, you know, obviously has had way, way, way more success in pro wrestling between, you know, what he did in J Japan and the IWGP titles he won and having some of the greatest matches of all time in Japan. And then obviously, Tons of success in WWE, mostly really in NXT. Um, but, you know, he's there's some that just he's kind of coasting and just, you know, just making the money and not beating up his body as much as he was in Japan. Not doing that strong style, you know, type matches that really shorten your career in, in, in Japan and kind of doing more WWE style, which is more friendly to your body. And as he makes more money and gets beat up less, I mean, I... As much as I'd like to see the Nakamura that did the crazy six, seven, you know, six star matches with AJ Styles in New Japan and that sort of thing, can't fault a guy for for taking it a little easy on easier on his body and uh, and making more money. But uh, I know you're a big fan of Nakamura as well, Josh. Oh my God, this is CM Punk territory. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> uh, I I love Nakamura. In fact, I bought his wrestling action figure at Target just because that's how much I like him as an adult man. But I haven't opened it, and I'm not playing with it. Just so you don't have to cancel cancel <laughs> okay. your co-host here. Um, it's just a prop. Uh, no, I, I mean Nakamura is great. I think he would have been really good full time in MMA. He's a great athlete. Maybe not now, since maybe he's you know enjoying his life in the U.S. But 
um, obviously he's not a great MMA fighter, you know, but he was a good MMA fighter for the time he was doing it. And he's tough. I mean, he's legit, you know, he's, he's definitely a good, a good athlete. And, um, I wish his pro wrestling, I wish he were WWE champion. I wish, I wish Vince McMahon would actually give the titles to the guys who can work, but this is not what this show's about. I could go yeah. on and on about that. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're quickly running out of time. So I want to, uh, I want to run through some honorable mentions and then we're going to spotlight the top four that switched over into from MMA into pro wrestling. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. But uh, Dave Batista, you know, obviously incredibly successful pro wrestler, Hall of Famer. Um, he did fight one time in MMA. It was a journeyman tomato can guy, but, you know, you got to give it to him for uh, putting everything on the line and, and doing a regional show. And, and he wanted to do it. And he did. And he was successful that one time. Uh, Matt Mitrione, he played in the NFL. Uh, you know, good, good. You have to be a great football player to make it to the NFL. And obviously he's done well in the UFC and Bellator. Not an elite guy, but but good, you know, for sure. Uh, we mentioned Butterbean earlier at one point, the king of the four rounders, tough man, but, uh, it, you know, got into some legitimate boxing and uh, actually did some pro wrestling as well. You know, we, he's probably best remembered by wrestling fans for knocking out Bart Gunn after Bart Gunn had won the ill-fated brawl for all tournament. And then Butterbean just shut his lights out at WrestleMania in 35 seconds. And one of those so, so sad, brutal, right? hands. <laughs> I mean, the way his head just swiveled around was just, just God, that was awful. So the, the only person but, happy in the building was Jim Ross. Cause you know, uh, Bart Gunn beat his boy, Dr. Dusty. Wood. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, but Butterbean did fight in Japan in MMA as well. So he, he's, you know, he's crossed all those, uh, forbidden doors, if you want to you want to put it that way. Uh, Greg Hardy, um, obviously a very, uh, very good football player. And now he's gone into the UFC and very controversial because of his antics and some of the legal matters that he's dealt with. But he's a, you know, good young or not young, but he's a good prospect and, you know, kind of climbing up the ranks in, in the UFC. Uh, we already mentioned Bob Sapp, and as much as I'm not a fan of his as a fighter, you know he did did make it to the NFL. I don't, I believe he never actually played it down, but he was on teams, and then um, he actually was training in pro wrestling with for WCW before he got into MMA. Brought over to Japan, they recognized his drawing power and went on to have a lot of success early on in in kickboxing and and MMA, and then just kind of father time and other things stepped in, and and Sapp is you know kind of. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think he's active anymore. It's been a few years since he fought, but uh, father, but Cur father courage. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, but he did. You know, it's hard to deny the money he made and what he drew. And then finally, we'll mention Cain Velasquez, uh, one of the greatest uh, MMA heavyweights of all time. You know, maybe would have been the greatest if it hadn't been for the injuries. And he got into pro wrestling. He had a really good match in Mexico. And then, you know, as much uh, even though it was only a couple minutes long, I I did enjoy his. Uh, his kind of worked match with, with Brock Lesnar in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, the idea was to do a, you know, do a, a, um, a, a trilogy between them. And then, you know, COVID hit and Velasquez got released and Javier Vasquez is, has, or Javier Mendez, excuse me, has told us that, you know, they expect Kane to be back in WWE at some point. And so, you know, hopefully he's still working on training and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, but, you know, t time will tell when it comes to, to Kane, of course, but, uh, did want to mention the the top four MMA fighters to go into pro wrestling. To me, uh, even though you know this may be a little bit controversial, but Dan Severn, I mean, extremely successful Olympic level amateur wrestler before he got into MMA, and you know he has a super fight champion and and big big fights in in the UFC in the mid '90s and does very well. Well, gets into pro wrestling 
And, uh, you know, he's doesn't have a great run in the WWF in the nineties. I mean, he's definitely not the most charismatic, but he was the, the NWA world champion as a wrestler when that still, you know, meant something in the nineties, not, you know, but, but it's uh, but I, for him, I put him at the top of the, this list because of his longevity and how he's done well in all these different disciplines. I mean, he's like a massive, like, like multi, I multi stripe uh, black belt in judo and I think in BJJ and, and then just, you know, obviously incredible amateur wrestler and his, um, he's got over a hundred MMA victories. And I mean, just, a I, again, one of the greatest all around combat sports athletes of all time. And he's just done well in all these disciplines. So I put him at the top of my list again, maybe controversial because number two would be Ronda Rousey. I mean, likely the most important women's MMA fighter of all time. Not the, not the greatest because, Amanda Nunez uh, and, and probably Cyborg would be ahead of her, but uh, big, big time fights and really put women's MMA, um, didn't put it on the map, but made it uh, made it much bigger, much, much bigger than it was. Obviously, a major cross, crossover star has done some Hollywood stuff and then has, you know, she had a great run, a great one year run in, in WWE and did extremely, extremely well. I really enjoyed her matches uh, and I thought she did great and they thought, you know, she was going to come back this year and then she <laughs> announced that she's pregnant. So, uh, you know, congrats to her, but, but won't be seeing her back in WWE any, anytime soon. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, if somebody said no, Rhonda's number one, I wouldn't necessarily argue except she hasn't had the longevity uh, yeah. of, of a guy like Severn and hasn't had the, the level of success in pro wrestling that Severn had, but, but, you know, you could say Rousey succeeded at WWE or in WWE when Severn didn't. So, I'm open to I'm open to other thoughts. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, I like Ronda because I just feel like what she did in that year, that tag team WrestleMania match when she and The Rock uh, took on Hunter and Steph, or it was Kurt Angle and Stephanie. Um, that was um, no, it was Kurt Angle and Ronda against uh, Triple yeah. H and Stephanie. Yep, that match was unreal. I mean, yeah, that was, it was great. It was, it was so great. good. And then every time she competed, the matches were, I mean, there were a couple of, you know, Alexa Bliss stuff that was kind of dumb, but she's great. You know, I thought she was just so good, and not a lot of people can do that. Most of the people who come from MMA into pro wrestling, they got to gimmick the whole thing. You know, look at Bad Bunny. Everyone's like, oh, wow, he did six athletic moves on the match. He's good. Like, Ronda, like, did that stuff so much better, and she did it consistently, and it wasn't like a one-time thing, so... You know, I like her. Dan Severn, um, you know, obviously longevity wins. So, you know, I don't disagree with you agree with you there. Um, the one person we didn't talk about, and I know we got to go, um, Kurt Angle, uh, obviously Olympic collegiate uh, amateur wrestler, one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. Uh, had he gone in MMA even for a few fights, I think he could have been on this list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If he, again, wrong era, and I think he, there's no doubt he would have gone into MMA uh, if it was a, a viable, you know, viable option at that time. So, uh, but number three, Shayna Baszler, very solid MMA fighter. She lost most of her big fights, but she did, you know, she did get some big fights in uh, strike force in the UFC. Uh, but I, I think she's an, I have thoroughly enjoyed her work in NXT. I thought she was fantastic and so believable as a wrestler. And, you know, just, I thought she was great. And I just think she's been so misused in WWE. And I feel like they just haven't known what to do with her, but um, definitely a very, very, I think a better pro wrestler than an MMA fighter, even though she was pretty solid at, at, at both. 
Uh, and then number four, Josh Barnett, former UFC heavyweight champion, top heavyweight in in Pride, and then uh, in the UFC, and then now in Bellator, he's found a lot of success in both the U.S. and Japan. Uh, but he's also been extremely involved in pro wrestling uh, over in Japan. He currently promotes Bloodsport, which is a shoot style pro wrestling promotion that is very, very unique and entertaining. And I think their most recent card was not long ago, and and it was Barnett and John Moxley in the main event, and. From all accounts, it was very, very brutal, and and um, they just do these really strong style, very realistic looking pro wrestling matches. And I've seen some clips and that sort of thing. And so Barnett continues to really be involved and and kind of give back to the to both sports. And so I, I think he belongs on this list as well. But uh, but let's let's bring this down to a bottom line. I mean, in your estimation, Josh, who do you think is the goat for both uh, for both males and females when it comes to just crossover, whether it's, you know, pro wrestling and MMA or, you know, whatever it is, kind of all around combat sports, who do you put at the top of the list? Well, I think it's probably Brock Lesnar. Um, there's never going to be a UFC world champion and a WWE world champion. Like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, we're just not going to see that. Uh, and, uh, Brock was legit in both worlds. Obviously, he had a bunch of haters in MMA who saw him as a pro wrestling guy, but you know, it's undeniable that he did win fights against top guys. And, you know, he did do the best he could, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, he wasn't a full-time MMA fighter and he had diverticulitis. And I always already talked about Ronda. She did not have longevity, but she definitely was um, great. I mean, she never did anything poorly except for, you know, her stand-up in two fights. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, either one of those, I think, uh, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you'd put those at, at the top of their genders for sure. But uh, anyways, Joshua, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Listeners, I'm sorry that we're late on this episode. We, Like I said, we had our guests kind of fall through, and so Josh and I had to kind of quickly put this together. And so actually, <laughs> as you listen to this, uh, we're, we recorded this on Monday, which I think is the first time we've ever recorded on a Monday, which is when we normally you know re- release the episode so i am literally as we're done here i'm going to edit this and, and get this out through the the feed as quickly as possible but josh appreciate your time listeners thank you for taking time to to download and listen again you can reach me at fill it inside the if you want to give feedback and you can find us on twitter and on instagram at the hexagon pod and of course we're grateful to evergreen podcast networks for being our supporter we're still working through uh getting all our stuff up and running through through that network but uh, make sure you check out their other shows of course but with that we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy and we will see you soon Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.